Howdy, and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And the Sacred City Life Podcast is a podcast all about following Jesus and the everyday normal rhythms of life. And um, this is another segment of our podcast that we're calling Theology for Everyone. And we're working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. And uh, we've been doing this in kind of a diff- more informal style, um, enjoying a cigar and enjoying something good to drink, sitting around with my pastoral residence. And so we are, today we're just going to work our way through um, chapter 1, article 5 on the Westminster Confession of Faith. But before we do, well, I'll just let you know, you already, you've heard, you already heard them. So I got Alex, and I got Bryson, and I got Kevin all here with me today. And we're going to work through a dense section. This is a dense section. Um, and I'm going to have... Each guy kind of share um, a verse, and um, as we work through it. But I'm gonna let me just read it for us um, today. Article five, chapter one, on the Holy Scripture. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the Church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture. So. The church should testify to the authority, to the sufficiency, to the beauty, to the worth, to the value, to the glory of the scriptures. The church, now not all churches do, specifically liberal Protestant churches, they don't value the word, they they don't believe it's authoritative, they don't believe it's the word of God, they don't understand it, they don't believe it's beautiful. Um... And uh, that's why you shouldn't go to those churches, okay? But the Westminster Divines are saying the church should do that. And we can be moved and we can be induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture. But it keeps going on. And the heavenliness of the matter. So Scripture reveals to us spiritual things, reveals to us Heaven reveals to us doctrines of God. It reveals to us doctrines of salvation. It reveals to us things that we would never know without them. We would never know that God became man and dwelt among us, that God became, that Jesus became sin on our behalf. You would, there's no way to deduce those things from nature, right? So the scripture has a heavenliness about it. Something, um, eternity is is written in the human heart, right? Eternity is in our human heart. Something about Scripture resonates with us, okay? I'm going to keep going. The efficacy of the doctrine. Efficacy is a word we don't use too very often. It's efficacious. It causes things to happen. Um, the doctrine of, of you read the Bible and people get saved. Like, liberal churches, they could just get up there and just preach the, preach the, the Scriptures People would get saved, people would be changed, people would meet God because the power isn't in the preacher, the power isn't in the method, the power is in the scriptures themselves. They're efficacious, okay? They get things done. The majesty of the style. So, scripture is beautiful. You read the Psalms. The Psalms are absolute. We've been reading the Psalms for thousands of years and they are beautiful and they speak of the human condition. And there's something about, especially when you read the scripture as a whole, the unifying story, there is something absolutely divine about them. Just the style itself is 
amazing. When you read the acrostic Psalms and every, you know, every line of the Psalm starts with the next Hebrew alphabet letter. It's amazing that a guy came up with that because he's divinely inspired, right? Um, the con- okay. The efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style. So here we're working through um, some of the things that tell us and teach us that the word of God is actually the word of God, right? The church affirms it. Uh, the heavenliness of the matter, there's things revealed in it that we would never know. And there's things that that um, that have, we've been changed by it. We've heard the doctrine. We hear the doctrines of grace. And guess what that does? When you hear and believe the God, doctrines of grace, it changes you, right? Mm. It changes you. It's, effic- it's efficacious. The majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts. What do you think that means? The consent of all the parts. I'd say that all the parts of Scripture um, work together to form a unified whole. It's, Absolutely. It's one witness, one, one unified story pointing to one um, Trinitarian God. Yeah. One of the things that you can do to try to ruin the Bible is you rip it apart and you just read little pieces at a time, right? And you don't know the whole, how everything ties together, right? Uh, so the consent, everything is, what, what is the consensus? What is the consent of all the parts? What is the one thing it's trying to tell us? All the scripture, Old and New Testament combined. The gospel? <laughs> if you're in a gospel-centered church, if there's any question, you could pretty much just go, the gospel, question mark? That's, the, that's how he sounded. The gospel? He's like, he didn't sound too confident in that, did he? Right. The revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came from heaven, the perfect Son of Man, Son of God, to live the perfect life, to die a substitutionary death, to purchase our salvation, that in him we could have the righteousness of God and that we could come to see God and know him face to face through the righteousness that gets imputed to us, right? Mm. All of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is telling that story. It just tells it in different ways. You know, the book of Ruth tells it in a different way than the gospel of John, right? The prophet Isaiah is adding a piece to it there that that, um, the book of Revelation says it in a different way, but it all comes together um, in a consensus, and he says it this way too, the scope of the whole. So what is the purpose of the word of God? Which is to give all glory to God. So that's it. Scripture, the goal of scripture is to give glory to God, right? It yep. isn't just to help our life. It isn't just to be beneficial to us. The scope of the whole of scripture, the purpose of scripture is to glorify God. They go on, long run on sentence. The full discovery of, it makes of the only way of man's salvation. So again, that's the scope of, that's the consent of all the parts. What's the purpose of scripture? To show man's only way of salvation. And then they say, the many other incomparable excellencies and the entire perfection thereof. So they're saying scripture does not contradict scripture. Modern scholars will say, oh, the Bible's full of errors, it's full of contradictions. No, it's not. It's, it might be full of um, things that are we have to hold in tension, things that we are not easy to understand, things that might be contrary to some of our reason. It might require us to do some exegetical work, some contextual work, but the Bible is unified and a whole. It is not full of errors, and that is a modern lie to get people to disbelieve the Bible. That's That's quite simply as simple as that so all of these he says 
or they say, are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. So, we're talking about the sufficiency of Scripture. We're talk, talking about um, the beauty of Scripture. We're talking about how it, it's all, it all works together in a unified sense to talk about the way of salvation. These are all arguments like, how do you know the Bible's true? Well, I know it because it's telling one story. The story makes sense to me. The story tells me something that I would never know outside of myself. Every other religion is about man trying to earn their way to God. Christianity is the only one that reveals that God actually came and became a man for us to find us. There's something about that that resonates with me. Um, it's the scope of the whole, which is to give glory to God. All of Scripture gives glory to God, and it's mainly about Him first. And so there's all these different ways that kind of through the scientific method, these are all kind of through the scientific method, I can come to say, you know what, I think the Word of God is actually, um, I think this is the Word of God because it, it, it doesn't contradict itself. I mean, we said last time, uh, 44 different authors, 1,500 years it was written, 66 different books, and they all make sense, and it all yeah. goes together. What, where else are you going to find that? Right? You read the Quran, it's full of inconsistencies, it's full of errors, it's full of historical, you know, historical claims that are absolutely not true, and the scriptures are not like that. So all of that is kind of through the scientific method. You can read it, and do kind of scholarly work, and you can say, this is the word of God. But, here it is, yet notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. So what's that last sentence saying? That uh, scripture with the work of the Holy Spirit is going to change you from the inside. Mm -hmm. and, and that works as a, I think they use the word persuasion. Mm -hmm. So, can I prove to you that the word of God is the word of God? You can... No. I think you can persuade me and provide uh, evidence, but the proof comes from the Spirit. Okay. Would you agree, Kevin? Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's fair to say that um, Scripture tells us the truth and the Spirit convinces us that it's true. Yeah. And we talked about last or the first week of natural revelation versus special revelation, that all of us, every human being, knows that God exists knows that he is real, knows that there's, he, there's truth, knows that there is more morality in the universe, that there's moral laws, and yet Romans tells us we do what? We suppress the truth. And so there is no way, and suppressing the truth is like trying to hold a beach ball underwater, right? Mm -hmm. And there is no way to prove to someone that there is, that the word of God is the word of God. And so when I'm trying to share the gospel with my neighbor, um, I should just share the gospel with my neighbor, yeah. right? I can't prove to them, well, prove to me that the Bible's, Bible's the word of God. I can give you some, some good evidence. I can give you some proofs. I can speak apologetically to you and tell you 
how we got the scriptures and why we can trust the scriptures. But here's the deal. No one is like a neutral moral agent. No one is really going. No one seeks after God. No one wants God, right? That's what Romans tells mm-hmm. us. And so any argument I'm going to give somebody, they're going to go, well, but, 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 I, I watched a YouTube video and the YouTube video said, they're going to have some back. They're going to have some way to, I can't convince anyone of anything mm. in the scriptures. Doesn't mean I shouldn't try because God uses, look, what, look how he says here. So it says, our full pers- persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit. Now, hold on, look. Bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. So he's, they're saying the, the, the Holy Spirit will accompany the word of God to bring conviction to a person's heart or assurance to a person's heart or to tell them that the word of God, that this is the word of God. The Holy Spirit with the word, right? So it's not just the Holy Spirit floating around by himself, does it? But with the word, he accompanies the word. He bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. But this, this is a, so this is kind of a touchy situation for some people. Not touchy, but we should just declare the word of God. We, should, we shouldn't be so concerned with providing all the argumentation, perfect logical arguments, and, and look at this from, this from natural revelation, and look, this confirms with everything we believe in the world. Sometimes we just declare the word of God. And trust that the God is God's going to change people's hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And we should believe it. We should believe the word enough to be able to preach the word, speak the word, share the word, and trust that the word of God and the Holy Spirit is going to do something in that person's life. Because right now they're suppressing the truth. So if it would please the Holy Spirit to open their mind and to soften their heart, he's going to do it. Yeah. But if we're just trying to argue and trying to come up, with some invincible ap- uh, apologetic argument, it's not going to happen. Um, this is kind of what they claim. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I-, I was about to nerd out for a minute, but I won't. So let- <laughs> let's go to uh, let's go to some scriptures that kind of prove this. So, Alex, I think you had First uh, John, or no, you had John chapter 16, the Gospel of John chapter 16, 13, 14, right? Yep. Go ahead. When the Spirit of the Truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of His own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are co- that are are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Boom. The Holy Spirit there. What's he called? What's the Holy Spirit called in that passage? the spirit of truth, right? The spirit of truth. He's the one, he's declaring the words of Jesus. That's Jesus speaking. He said, I'm going to declare the words of Jesus. He's going, he's the one, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to affirm the truth of the scriptures in a person's heart. And so our job is to declare them. Our job is to preach them. Our job is to share them. And the spirit of God accompanies the word and brings affirmation or confirmation to a person's to a person's heart, right? All right. First um, Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. Is that you, Bryson? Yeah. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? 
So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Man, the apostle there is saying, you can't even understand God unless the Holy Spirit has been sent to you Mm. to open your mind to the truth. Mm. Right? This is why um, in seminary, you know, I've I've taken a lot of apologetic courses. Um, I love apologetics. I read apologetics a lot. Um, And this is why you can read apologetics and you can be like, this is so clear. This is so simple. How can anybody believe that there's no such thing as a creator? How can anybody believe that there's no, you know, all these different arguments, philosophical arguments, theological arguments that you can, you can, I mean, present an argument perfectly clear and people are like, nope, don't believe it. (laughs) Not enough evidence. You can watch debates between brilliant minds and, you know, um, Lane Craig Evans, I think that's his name, Lane Craig Evans. Uh, he, he is a brilliant um, debater. Douglas Wilson is a brilliant debater. And you can listen to him and you can go, dude, this he just annihilated them. He just totally tore them up. That's so clear. And the other guy's just like, uh, uh, you know, he will not admit defeat. He, why? Because there's no such thing as an unbiased spectator. We all either have been, our minds been opened by the Holy Spirit and so we can see the truth and we believe the truth and it, 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 we can feel the affirmation of it in our soul like it's confirmed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and the, the sufficiency of Scripture or we don't. They're not. Their mind is, they're hardened to it. They have a hard heart. Um, they have a mind that's closed. They're dead in their trespasses and sins and so yet they just, they can't get it. They can't see it. This is why you can hear somebody who's supposedly brilliant, PhDs, you know, more degrees than Fahrenheit, and you present a, a, an argument that shuts him down, and he sounds like a complete moron. Mm. Like he doesn't even see the inconsistency of his own worldview. He has a lot of head knowledge, but it hasn't sunk down to his heart. Where he's, yeah, he has you know. no Holy Spirit that's interpreting for him. Mm. You know what I mean? It's almost like we're speaking a different language, and it <clears throat> takes the Holy Spirit to interpret that language. Yeah. To confirm. Hey, even... Uh, I remember a biblical worldviews class that I had a few months ago, and uh, it was a debate with, I can't remember who the guy on the kind of Christians I was, but it was, uh, I think it's Christopher Hitchens, is that mm-hmm, his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, in the discussion, they were like, do you think this guy knows the Bible? Um, I was like, everybody was saying yes. I'm like, no, he sounds like the biggest idiot in the world. Who, Christopher Hitchens? Yes, yeah. he, he's just like, he would bring out some scripture and use it like however he wanted to use it, and I was like, that that's not you don't get it. Yeah, like, you you need to watch the Doug Wilson Christopher Hitchens debate. Um, I shared it and I did a presuppositional apologetics talk in Porterbrook a few years back. You can find that on our website. And um, Doug Wilson and Christopher Hitchens debate, and Doug Wilson just blows his worldview up because there he's here. Every philosopher, every atheist, every person. Do you believe in? Most of them, not all of them, most of them are not nihilistic. So they don't, um, nihilism believes there are no morals. Do what you want, right? But most people don't believe that. And so mm-hmm. most people will say, well, yeah, we should be good people. Yeah, we should obey the moral. We should, we should obey the, uh, the golden rule. We should do these things. And uh, Christopher Hitchens was trying to tell Doug Wilson, your God is, a, is an immoral God because he did this and this and this in the Old Testament. And he's like, by what standard? Who says? 
by your standard? Like, like, no, no, you don't have a standard. And he uses this analogy. Oh, what you're trying to do is get into my Christian car and wreck it into a tree because my Christian worldview has a moral lawgiver, has morality Hmm. at its, at its base because God is, God is morality. Mm -hmm. And so I have a moral standard, but on your atheistic presuppositions, you have no moral standard. So you can't say that my religion is immoral by your own standard. Yeah. You have to get into my Christian car, my Christian worldview, and use my moral language to say that I'm immoral. That doesn't quite work. No. Right? That, he's like, get your own car. You know, it's a brilliant debate. Um, I wish I could I could see it. It's on Netflix, I think, and I could see it in my mind, but of course, I, at the moment, I can't, um, I can't think of the name, but you just type it into YouTube or whatever. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, Doug Wilson, and it is, uh, it's a fun debate. Okay, we got another scripture? Yes. Um, Isaiah 59, 21. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. Boom. What scripture was that? Isaiah 59, 21. 21. Yeah, my spirit that is upon you, this is Old Testament, and my words that I've put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord from this time forth forevermore. So the spirit was upon him even in the Old Testament. The spirit is within us now in the New Testament as, the, as, the, as Jesus went to the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to be within us. And the spirit in the, in the Old Testament confirmed uh, the prophecy and confirmed the word of the Lord. It was for the the parent, you know, the the adults and their offspring, and the same is true for us. And so, there's a lot. So this is not saying there's no need to do apologetics. This is not saying there's no need to have clear arguments. When I preach, I try to preach. I say missionally. I want to not just preach the word of God. Like I don't want to get up there and just blast the word of God and just say or else it's the word of God suck it up suck us that's not I want to show them that it is beautiful that it is good that it is true that it's actually meeting their deepest desires even though they're resisting it so I'm wanting to use logical reasoning I'm wanting to use philosophical arguments I'm wanting to show them that the scripture speaks in a way that's in line with the way God created the world the scriptures reveal salvation in a way that's in line with the way he's created us, that we mm. need to be saved from the outside. Yeah. So he's not saying don't be missional. Don't, don't try to share the gospel in a way that people are understanding it. He's saying you can never be missional enough, in a sense. You can never have the most perfect, logical argument that any that you know it's going to cause every atheist to fall down at his feet and just say okay there is a god there is truth there is morality mm-hmm. why because we don't want there to be and sinners don't want there to be a god and they don't they don't want to repent of their sins mm-hmm. they enjoy fornicating <laughs> they enjoy blaspheming they enjoy idolatry they enjoy getting drunk they enjoy doing these things right and so they're set against god and they're set against the revelation of God. And so that's why every single week uh, when I get up in the pulpit, I do my best 
I've spent hours preparing the sermon, hours studying the sermon. I've, I've written it out. I've tried to create a clear, cogent argument. But before I preach, I beg the Holy Spirit to think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords that it be all of Him and none of me. Because I know I'm preaching to dead men. And w- what can I expect a dead man to do? Right? I can't expect a dead man to do nothing but lie there dead. Mm-hmm. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God to bring dead men to life. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Article 5 is all about in the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's about um, just the beauty of Scripture, but it's also about the necessity of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to confirm the reality of truth. Uh, by by bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Any other questions? Any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, just thinking through, you said something like this. This um, article isn't um, steering you away from mission or even a, like apologetic work. I, I think it's even doing the opposite of that. Like it's kind of putting like just reading it. I feel like like there's some steel in my spine to go and like. Just trust the word of God to do what the word of God does. Yep. And so, like, some steel in my spine, some like encouragement in my spirit, just from the realization, like, I don't, I, I can't prove anything. Yeah. Hmm. I know. I know. I had a person today, counseled them many times, single person, um, wants to be married, uh, wants to follow, Je- says they want to follow Jesus. Want it, say, says they're a member of the church, you know, member of the church, and yet just wants to date an unbeliever. And I, I just said, listen, here's what Scripture says: Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. The Bible says not to date unChristians, people that aren't Christian, not non-Christians, not yet believers. So you're going to disobey God if you're doing this. And I said, so are you telling me you you don't think the Bible says that, or are you telling me you know the Bible says that and yet you're going to disobey? And they said, well, I know the Bible says that I'm going to disobey. And I go, okay, here's what you're telling me. I believe I can sin against God and have a good life. Mm -hmm. I can sin my way into a good life and a happy marriage Mm -hmm. as a Christian. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I would, you know, starts back back pedaling and balking and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what you're doing and you're going to do the opposite. Now, listen, here's what happens. If you disobey God, it's going to go bad for you. Mm. Boom. Mm. That's all I, and I just said that. I said, if you disobey God, it's going to go bad for you. Um, and so a Christ, that's, not a, that's not the posture of a Christian. Do, yeah. do Christians sin? Absolutely we sin. But, but do we willfully continue headlong and headstrong into sin? No. We shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we have pastors. That's why I have missional communities. That's why I have brothers and sisters. That's why we have the Word of God. We're to stop ourselves, check ourselves, and say, okay, this is what I want, but I can't do what I want mm-hmm. because I want to be happy. I want to be blessed. I want to mm-hmm. walk with Jesus. I can't do that if I'm willfully ignoring and disregarding the Word of God. I think it's good that you uh, answer, like you asked him a question so that he can answer the question as if he's looking himself in the mirror of what he's actually saying and, and actually turning from. Because a lot of times it's hard for a lot of people that 
they don't want to look themselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to continue to sin without someone confronting that, and he's answering and saying what he's not yeah. wanting to do. You know? And I want, and the, one of the reasons I'm doing that is because I want them to know, like, there's no way it doesn't go bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to go bad. It's you're disobeying God. This is the way the Lord has set up the universe, right? Mm. And so if you disobey God, it's going to go bad for you. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to die tomorrow or you're going to, you know, doesn't mean, I'm not saying that. I've, I, I've been in ministry long enough to see, even in those, you know, missionary dating scenarios, somebody comes to faith, like the, the husband, the wife, or the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend, they come to faith in Jesus Christ Oh yeah, look, this is, this is, I knew it. This is why I did this because I I thought I could be on mission to this person. And then here's the reality. You never know. Did that person really come to Christ or did that person just do it because they wanted you Mm -hmm. and they wanted to get married and they wanted to have sex and they wanted Mm -hmm. to, you know, all this stuff. And then a year down the road, two years down the road, I don't want to go to church anymore. They're married. I don't want to go to church anymore. And then now, now you're married. Now you're having babies and husband or wife doesn't go to church. Right, and now you got a divided home, and now things are going bad for you, mm-hmm. and now you want to be mad at God for something. No, 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 no. You have no right to be mad at God. You disobeyed His word from jump. Yeah. You dated somebody who didn't share your faith. So it's it's going to go bad, right? And so I want you to know from the get go, you're choosing. You're making a willful decision to go against the will of God because somewhere in your mind you think it's still going to go well for you, mm. right? So just declare the word, let the word be the word, and people will, you know, and especially for you guys as, as going to be pastors, mm-hmm. you declare the word and people do what people do. I'm not responsible for their response to the word of God. Mm-hmm. You preach the word and they respond how they respond. They either respond with um, soft-hearted repentance and faith or they responded, respond with willful disobedience, mm-hmm. right? That's up to the Holy Spirit. That's up to God. That's not up to us. Mm. Right? Cool. All right. So how are you, listener, at home, in your car, in your truck, in your garage, wherever you're at listening to this podcast, how do you respond to the Word of God? Do you think the Word of God is beautiful, is sufficient, that it has everything you need for life and godliness? Do you believe God's ways are right in all their ways? Not just in some ways, the ways that you already agree with, but the ways that, that are contrary to what you believe now. Do you believe them to be the Word of God and authoritative and uh, the one way to know God and come to know God? And do you believe, do you understand the sufficiency of Scripture and the beauty of the whole and the scope of the whole? All of that. Is that your response to Scripture? If not, man, I pray that it would be. I pray that the Spirit would move you to see the beauty of the Scripture, the sufficiency of the Scripture. Um, that the, the whole scripture is meant to give glory to God um, and that you would be moved to study it, to learn it, to memorize it, to pray it, to believe it, to obey it. That's what we want to do. So how, I hope you're enjoying this uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, this time theology for everyone. It is important for all of us to be consistently, constantly growing in our understanding of the Word of God. That obviously, 66 books, man, that's a lot. It takes a lifetime to study and you're never going to come to the end of it. Um, I'm lear- I learn things literally. I'm reading books right now and, and, um, and, and understanding Scripture in new ways that I've never underst- understood before. And um, you can never come to an end to it, and it's worthy of all of our life. It's worthy of our study. It's worthy of our devotion. So 
All right, guys, that is it. That's Article 5 of Chapter 1, and we will be back with you soon. God bless, and I hope you find yourself in the Word of God, enjoying it, reading it, studying it, and obeying it. We love you guys. If you have any questions on anything we talked about today, um, we will we would love to hear from you. So send your send me an email at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com and I will try to answer it on the podcast. Love you guys. God bless. Thank you.